Hey everybody, welcome to the Union Podcast. My name is Brian Pugh and this is episode 31. And on the Union Podcast, we love to talk about identity, sexuality, relationships, marriage, all those heavy topics, but in a truthful and honest way and really a liberating way because we do believe that God's design is a good design and it's not a burden to bear. It's actually what leads us uh, to freedom and joy and life and peace. If you are new here to the podcast, we're so glad that you've joined us here. And we hope that today's episode is an encouragement to you and a blessing to you and helps you in your everyday life. But if you are also a return listener, we are so appreciative of your support. And we would ask that you just uh, comment and subscribe and share this podcast on whatever platform you're listening to it. It just helps us to be seen by more and more people. Today, Bonnie and I are sitting down with Tony Newhoff. Now, Tony and her husband, Carrie, who you might know from the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast, are church planners in the greater Toronto area. Uh, but Tony is also a podcaster. She hosts the Smart Family Podcast, all about uh, talking about practical uh, practical advice to help you strengthen your relationship and boost your parenting to the next level. And uh, but she is also the author of a new book called Before You Split. And now as a former diverse attorney, she's walked with a multitude of people through the journey of separation and seen um, some really uh, heartbreaking stories, but also seen some things uh, and gained some wisdom through all that that she passes on to you in this new book to really help you uh, find the future that you want for your marriage. Um, that's healthy and growing and thriving. So we are really excited to sit down and talk with Tony about her new book, and I hope that you enjoy it as well. You're listening to The Union Podcast. The Union is a movement dedicated to discovering God's design for sexuality, His hope for restoration, and the power of our destiny through Jesus. Please enjoy today's podcast. Well, thank you, Tony, so much for being here with us today. We're so glad to have you. Hey, I am thrilled to join you. Thanks for the invite, and uh, I've been looking forward to this. Amazing. Tony uh, has recently released a book called Before You Split, and the, the vision or the goal behind it, what I've, what I've read she wrote, just the goal of helping couples move forward, not feeling stuck in marriages. Um, and I'm really excited to have this conversation. You can share, could you share a little bit about your background and um, your perspective of why you even came to write this book? Yeah, it was um, several years ago when I was practicing as a family lawyer. Uh, I've, I had a client who walked all the way through uh, the process and to the point of signing the separation agreement. Uh, and he was a, a dad, had three kids, and he looked at me with tears in his eyes. And he said, if I'd only known then what I know now, wow. I would have tried harder to save my marriage. Wow. And in, in those days when I was practicing as a family lawyer, I've, I could imagine that I could have easily been sitting on the other side of the desk with some other family lawyer at one point when Carrie and I were just so precariously close to making that decision ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I, I felt, I, I just felt this um, compelling need to try to help people see what's on the other side of divorce, mm -hmm. um, try to help people who are like my client, um, but also share some of the things that Carrie and I learned along the way, because we struggled deeply in our relationship for not just for months. I, I do have to be honest and say for years. Wow. Um, but we learned some things along the way. And now I'm I'm thrilled to say that we've been married for over 30 years. Come on. And we can't imagine. We just, it's mind blowing for, for both of us, how we went from that bad, where it really was that bad to now it's so good that we know how much we would have missed if we'd walked away. That's amazing. Well, even as we were talking before, you mentioned how, you know, right now you being in the Ontario area, being in lockdown, how mm. you're, you're like, it's okay, we can be in lockdown together. And yes, it's hard to be separated from others that we love, but we can handle being together. So that, you know, that itself is a testimony. <laughs> Uh, at one point, it would have been really difficult for Carrie and I to work together, um, but we've been working together now for um, 
well, it was 19, it was, sorry, 2018, not 2019, 2018, when I um, closed my law practice and started working full time from home. And so we've been working together since then. And it's been amazing, really. Well, you guys have done so much together, you know, like planning a church, not to be honest, unfortunately, not too many couples make it through planning a church. You planted Nexus Church in in the Ontario region and um, or Toronto region, greater Toronto region, I guess. Um, but man, not too many people make it through that. So if you can do that, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's saying something. One, one of the things we wanted to do, one of the things we love to do, because we cut, co- we cover some pretty heavy topics at times. We just like to get a little bit of laughter going and everything. So we do a random question. So this is just a random question. We can kind of keep, we're going to keep it to the lockdown topic when lockdown is done. And you're able just to go back to normal life. If we even remember what that was like, what's the first thing you're hoping to do? Well, honestly, that is a really easy question to answer because my son, uh, my older son lives on the East Coast and he bought a house uh, whose closing date was just after the pandemic lockdown started last March. And we have not even set foot in his house yet. So as soon as these restrictions are lifted, uh, we are zipping off to the East Coast. uh, Yeah, we'll finally get an in-person tour through his house. Oh, that's amazing. That's really cool. That's awesome. You have, you have two sons. Is that right? Yes. That's mm-hmm. awesome. I'm glad I got that right. Or that might've been off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One lives in Hamilton, Ontario. Okay. Um, so he's, he's, he's more accessible. Although right now with our level of lockdown, I can't even go and see him right now. But, uh, I know it's just but wild. Zoom is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that is true. We can access so much through that. So you, um, so you released this book. Before you split um, and going through it, honestly, I was just so struck by the level of compassion in which you wrote. I felt even, you know, people come to my, came to mind of people I know are dealing with struggles in their marriage, whether they've been married, you know, just shortly or they've been married for five years uh, or 10 or, you know, and I know that they're dealing with these struggles. Um, and I just was so appreciative of your compassion and your honesty. So I just want to say thank you to that. And for those of you who are listening um, and you're maybe thinking, how do I, you know, how can we grow in our marriage? I highly recommend this book. I was even thinking if you can't afford marriage counseling, here's a place to start is going through this book. I know it doesn't replace counseling, but you could start by reading this book together, even just a chapter a week and talk through it and say, okay, how can I, how can we apply this to our marriage? I really appreciated how you said, you know, you have to be willing to fight for your marriage, mm-hmm. you know, or to, you know, to go through what you need to go through. Yeah. Um, so one question I wanted to ask you uh, early in the book, you made this comment about being able to determine the difference between a harmful marriage and an unhappy marriage. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that's a really, that's a really good question or like good thought to figure out. Could you give us just like, what would be some some earmarks of the difference between those two things? Sure. It's a tricky question. Um, you know, I, I think every client I've spoken to, and actually I've, I've asked other family lawyers about this as well. Almost everyone I speak to who's in a deep enough struggle that they are at least consulting with a family lawyer uh, says that their spouse is emotionally abusive. Mm. And I think these days it's a buzzword. So, you know, everybody can reach a point in an unhappy marriage where they feel like they're being emotionally um, knocked around by their spouse. Uh, And so I... I never want to dismiss the idea that there's uh, emotional abuse because in some cases there actually is, and there are some boundaries that have to be put in place. Uh, So the difference I I try to draw overall between harmful and unhappy is uh, that in a harmful marriage, there's something destructive. There's, there's behavior that's consistently either denigrating, um, toxic, uh, definitely, you know, physical violence, uh, you know, anything that falls into that category is a real cause for concern. 
Right. And in it, but in, on the other hand, like in an unhappy marriage where people are triggered and triggers can arise for so many different reasons. You know, I try to cover those topics. Um, but when, when we're triggered, you know, our, our, our rational brains are not engaged. Right. Our brains are flooded with chemicals. We say things we don't mean to say, we do things we don't mean to do. And, um, you know, and, and, you know, if it goes too far and there's some, you know, physical violence, then that's a real cause for, uh, digging deeper and mm-hmm. figuring out what's going on because there's, there's something going on in a person's neurological system, you know, when there's those outward behaviors. Anyway, all of that to say that it's sometimes very tricky to figure out whether it's harmful or unhappy. And for anyone who has that question, who's listening, I really encourage you to not try to figure it out on your own. You really need to get some advice. You need to either speak to a counselor or a pastor or a very wise mentor, maybe a doctor, but reach out and talk to somebody so that you can get some feedback and uh, and it's really important to speak to someone you can be completely honest with because you need to let them know exactly why it is that you are raising the question Mm -hmm. that makes a lot of sense you have to be able to give enough detail so the person giving you advice can give you accurate advice Mm-hmm. yeah and then and then make a safety plan if a safety plan is needed mm-hmm. or maybe the person you talk to will give you some uh, reassurance that well yes you're both getting triggered um but have you thought about x or is you know maybe this is uh, a path you can take to try to get underneath what's going on mm-hmm. uh, because in some cases those uh unhappy marriages you know, can get really heated depending on your family of origin. You know, there are families that are very uh, loud and yelling is the norm. And, um, you know, if, if somebody throws something once then well, so they threw something. Um, But, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it it doesn't mean that that's a, that's an automatic um, reason to call the marriage harmful. I mean, in one case, I got so heated with Carrie, I I threw I, I threw the the lunch like I was unpacking a lunch bag, um, but I threw a a bag of lettuce, <laughs> and it was very pathetic and totally emotionally unsatisfying <laughs> because it just caught the air and it wafted and it kind of sank down and bounced off his stomach a little bit. And and I just thought, oh man, that is so pathetic. <laughs> that showed him. <laughs> you, uh, you mentioned in your book, uh, a mud story. Now I think it'd be awesome for people to hear the story of a mud fight that took place, but I, I want to kind of connect it to, um, cause you touched on something that I think is really important, separating not only between what's an abusive mar- uh, or an unhappy marriage and a harmful marriage, but also like, what is your stuff that you're dealing with compared to actually what would be your spouse's stuff? So maybe we can hear that mud fight story. I don't know if it was, a, I don't know if you threw mud, you threw lettuce. I don't know if you threw mud, oh, but there I, was mud involved. There was mud involved. There's yeah. a mud story. I'd love to hear the mud story. Oh, well, we were camping with our kids and friends of ours. And at this, um, oh, this beautiful provincial park called Killarney or Kilbear, actually, we were at Kilbear. There were the conditions just that one summer where there was this natural mud spa that was probably, I don't know, 25 feet in diameter. And so there were a few people in it at a time, but it was just this silky, beautiful mud bath that was, I don't know, maybe four feet deep. And, um, and, and so all the kids were going into this mud bath and finally we looked at it and and thought, wow, that actually looks like fun. (laughs) So (laughs) we all went in. (laughs) That's amazing. But I, I guess the the connection to to mud uh, in in my book is that there's, you know, we carry wounds or baggage from our past, and you know we all have these um, ways that we survive through hurts or traumas, and you know for for some people it you know that there's a lot more to have survived through than mm-hmm. for other people, and we generally end up 
emerging out of our childhood, you know, with a way of behaving that allows us to get along in the world and, uh, you know, and, and, and be successful. Um, but the, the wounds and the baggage are like the mud that might've seeped into the seams of our, you know, of our shorts and t-shirts and you can wash all the mud off of all the visible places and, and think that it's gone. Um, but still be surprised by the, the mud that might've seeped into that seam and was a lot harder to get rid of a lot harder to spot as well. And so then when you were saying about how sometimes our, what our spouses do can actually trigger this mud that maybe came not because of your spouse, that didn't, it didn't, the source wasn't your spouse, but it triggered a previous source in your life. Mm -hmm. And so to be able to start digging into those issues, you mentioned family of origin. Sometimes it can be previous relationships or, or, you know, heartbreaks, or like you said, trauma that's gone on. Um, I think that's so valuable. Yeah. Well, and if you like, just an, as an example, uh, when I entered our marriage, I really had no idea how different my approach and Carrie's approaches were to resolving conflict, for example. And we, we, re we really did get stuck for a number of years, not understanding just how different um, how differently we were wired. And so when Carrie would go after an issue and try to resolve it, uh, I, and he would get more aggressive, but not aggressive in any physical sense, just, you know, in that, in, in the sense that you might see in a courtroom that, you know, somebody's, uh, passionate about an issue and trying to go after and resolve it. Well, I, if I was triggered in the meantime, in that conversation, then my tendency would be to completely dissociate and sometimes shut down. And, and, and that was related to trauma, but it took us quite a number of years to figure out what was going on in that dynamic. It, it caused us a lot of grief in the meantime, though. I can imagine conflict resolution with two lawyers. What was that like? <laughs> Well, the, the thing was, we would both go at it and we would both try our best to, you know, to advocate, to persuade, to draw the other person over to our side of the opinion. But then sometimes it would get personal. And then if we got triggered, yeah. it would just go from bad to worse. And, and that's when uh, I would I, I tended to have that defense mechanism of, of shutting mm. down and uh, just zoning out. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, uh, Carrie, Tony's husband, was used to be a lawyer as well before he stepped in to become a pastor and, that's right. and stepped into ministry and everything. So that, that's the connection there. I, I want to ask you just a quick question and not to put you on the spot too much, but can you think of a time when you guys were having a fight, having a disagreement or what is what friends of ours call it uh, passionate fellowship <laughs> um, is the term they use. <laughs> um, intense, no, excuse me, intense fellowship. That's the right word. Um, can you think of a time where you were in, uh, you know, disagreement, maybe even a heated discussion and you realized, wow, this is actually my fault or this is my problem. And I thought it was your problem. Mm. Can you think of a time like that? Mm. I, I think in the, in the heat of the moment, no, because you know how that, you know, when you're triggered, typically that is not the best time to try to bring out your rational. <laughs> right. Uh, it just doesn't like they don't typically coincide. Mm -hmm. um, but we did come to realize uh, after having you know, some of these incidents that there was something else going on mm -hmm. and that where Carrie might've, you know, m there might've been some slight offense in the way he said something, you know, if, if his level of provocation was maybe a, a three and my response escalated up to a, an eight mm -hmm. pretty quickly, then there's, you know, there's an, a clue that there's something else going on. And it was after we started to pay attention to these clues that um, I first started to go to counseling mm. myself because so I, I wanted to understand why this was happening. And then and then Carrie and I did continue to struggle. And eventually we went to marriage counseling together. And that also really helped us to get underneath what was going mm. on. So good. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, I, I, so, that. I so appreciate your vulnerability. I think sometimes. Um, 
what's going on in our marriages can feel so intimidating that we don't know how to bring it up. And we maybe think we're the only ones, right? Or like if people knew Mm -hmm. the struggles Mm -hmm. that we're facing, then they would, you know, they would just disrespect, they wouldn't respect us anymore. But when you, I feel like when you share just from your perspective of going through it and then being able to, um, uh, in your book, you call it survive for a little while and then move into a a place Mm -hmm. of saving your marriage. I think it gives other people permission to say, we're actually not okay. We're actually not good at this. We need to learn some skills. Um, and so I just really appreciate just you, um, sharing that for the benefit of all those who are reading or listening. Mm-hmm. Um, could you share a little bit? Um, you said you have this quote in your book where you say, I know damage control is not inspiring. And I just, I wrote that down because I thought that <laughs> it's true, but sometimes that's what, that's what it feels like when you're trying to stay functional as a couple, you know, if you, if you have kids or you have career or you're serving your community, either in, you know, through your faith or other ways, you're just trying, kind of trying to survive. But can you talk about these, you mentioned these three modes. You can either, you sometimes splitting is the best. You mentioned surviving and then moving into being able to save your marriage. Can you, you just, can you elaborate on that? Sure. So splitting, I think is obvious for for people, I think most of us have um, someone in our lives, or maybe uh, if you're listening, you've even gone through a divorce yourself before. And so splitting, I, I do see splitting as uh, an option that people struggle with and maybe, you know, fits into the feels like damage control category, mm-hmm. because especially if you have kids, then you do have to figure out uh, what will the parenting schedule be? How are we going to make those major life decisions for our kids? Right. You know, what happens with our finances? And so there's, uh, there's a lot of uh, complexity to splitting, as well as going through the emotions of grieving, um, because there is a, a level of grief that is probably like losing a close member of your family, wow. you know, losing a parent or a sibling. And so it's, it, you know, it, it's hard. It's so hard to go through a separation. Um, surviving is where People stay together under the same roof, um, but they're emotionally disconnected. And in you've probably met a couple who is in that stage or season of their marriage. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes it just happens because people drift apart. Mm-hmm. Some sometimes people describe it as feeling like roommates, mm-hmm. uh, where they're going through the motions and having transactional conversations, um, but just not really connecting on a heart level. Right. And and what I what I say about surviving is that I think it's clarifying to know where you're at in your relationship. And if you are actually surviving, uh, the, the issue with not paying attention to that or doing something about it is that we are wired to experience a connection, an emotional connection with the people we're close to, including the person we're spending our life with in you know, marriage or a long-term relationship. And so without that close connection, that there's, uh, I, I think there's human pain that we experience and the pain gets expressed in different ways. And so eventually that pain is going to leak out and it may leak out in an unhealthy way through either a mental health problem or addiction or, you know, and addictions can take any number of forms, addiction to exercise, addiction to substances. Mm. Uh, And so I think knowing that you're surviving in your relationship is clarifying. Uh, But I would also caution people not to panic. Like, don't panic if you realize that you are just feeling disconnected. Uh, I think that it's a common season of marriage for most people who are married long to- long term. And definitely there were there was a long season where Carrie and I were surviving in our mm-hmm. marriage. We, we were not experiencing a connection. Emotionally, we were not on the same page. And so I, I want people to still have um, hope that you can move from the the position of feeling disconnected to building your relationship, building your connection, and then having such a a deep connection that, you know, the two seasons don't even 
resemble each other at all. Amazing. (laughs) I think that's why sometimes people say, you know, there was the first version of my marriage and then there was marriage number two. It's just that it was to the same person. Right, right. (laughs) Right. It can transform. I love that. Just like that hopeful stance. Don't like, don't panic if you're still surviving. Mm -hmm. And, and even I think where if you're both still like, I'm, I'm committed enough that I'm going to survive this thing with you and we're going to move. Like Mm -hmm. we will maybe even like take little steps. If we're able to save this marriage, like we're committed to take those little steps towards one another, Mm -hmm. you know? And Mm -hmm. I, and I think, Mm -hmm. you know, to be real, I think we've definitely gone through seasons of that where we've said, (laughs) (laughs) I feel like we're coworkers or I feel like we're roommates. Okay. Mm. What do we need to adjust here? This isn't working. Like, yes. Like you saying that transactional and I, Mm -hmm. and it's, you're right. It's not what we're made for. There's something that's that longs like, longs to be close with somebody. And especially when you have this idea, mm-hmm. when you first get married, like we're going to be in love forever, you know, yeah. and <laughs> you realize like, oh my goodness, how do we keep all of this going and keep our connection going? And so, um, I mean, maybe what would be some, um, some little steps if someone's like, I am in that place of surviving, what are some little things you could do? They could do to like, just, you know, take baby steps towards the intimacy, the connection again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, and, and sorry, Bonnie, can I just back up to say the third option? Like we talked about oh, three yeah. options. Yeah, sorry. So the third, the third option is actually that you save your marriage. And, and that means that you have a, a connection um, that is close. You feel emotionally like you have each other's backs. You, you are deeply satisfied mm-hmm. with your marriage. I would say that is a saved marriage. Um, So making that transition from surviving to saving, uh, there are definite things that you can do. So one of them is you, you really need to pay attention to and even commit to becoming a student of your spouse's emotions and body language. So, you know, to be emotionally attuned means first and foremost, that we can just be present with and accept our spouse's emotions for what they are Mm. and not, not taking that stance of, well, you shouldn't feel that way or uh, dismissing emotions or even jumping over an emotional response to directly into problem solving. Wow. So an example of this is, you know, let's say, you know, Carrie's been to a particularly tough meeting. He comes home and he's venting over the meeting. And I, uh, and in response, I say, well, did you talk to uh, Jake? Uh, because you really need to talk to him about blah, 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 blah. Uh, and, you know, and, and if I do that, it doesn't create, I am not creating an atmosphere of emotional safety. (laughs) And really what we need, what we need as human beings to be bonded to each other is to know that our emotions are okay. Amazing. That it's okay that I'm upset about this meeting. Mm. And my much better response is, oh, Carrie, that sounds tough. Wow. That was... Mm. That meeting, you know, that must have been so hard for you to sit through. And just come at it from empathy. Amazing. Wow. Where I can sit there and and I can just be frustrated with him. Amazing. And then maybe after we've, you know, I only need to say, I only need to acknowledge his emotion. I don't need to prolong it. I don't need to go on and on. It's just that if I can acknowledge his emotion and let that be okay. And then maybe afterward, I would say, well, let me know if there's some way I can help. Hmm. Uh, He may not even want any solutions from me. That may be the furthest thing from his mind. He may already have a couple of people in mind who he needs to talk to, um, but he just needed to emotionally, Hmm. um, you know, release some of the tension from carrying that emotional burden by himself and not having anyone to share it with. Wow. That's amazing. I was laughing because. I would say last year, you know, in all the intensity of COVID and shutting down, one of the most intense and wonderful lessons that I learned was to be a better listener to Brian. I was coming Mm. at it from like, I'm trying to be a helper. Mm -hmm. I'm trying, you know, the Lord, like the Bible (laughs) says wives are the helper. So I'd be, you know, right there with all the problem solving and, and Brian would get frustrated and shut down on me. And I'd be like, I don't understand. I'm trying my best. 
Yeah. And so yes. I felt like actually God really had to be like, Hey, shh, like just stop it. Like let him process. Mm. And it, mm. uh, it was incredible. The change mm-hmm. um, from last, mm-hmm. I was probably like late last spring. I mean, mm-hmm. this is me. I'm just airing my, you know, this is my <laughs> confession. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just been incredible. And I would say we, we work together so much better now because totally. of that lesson. So mm-hmm. I love that you, mm-hmm. I wonder how many other couples are you know, maybe facing that same thing. <laughs> yeah. Cause it, it's so funny because like, I, I just think again, knowing myself that if I've gone through a hard meeting like that, or there's just a hard situation, part of, part of my problem and why I need to vent is because I'm already thinking of solutions. You know what I mean? I've got like five mm-hmm. or six different solutions we're trying to work through, trying to make things happen. And then I just, I do just need just to get that out. And mm-hmm. in, instead of like hearing those things that I already know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like it's options. And so let's, let's be honest, like sometimes I don't know. Sometimes like I'm, I'm mm. not, I'm emotionally all over the map sometimes too, right? Just like anybody else. But, sure. you know, sometimes I don't know those things. And mm-hmm. so some it's, yeah, I think it's picking and choosing and just being sensitive, like you said, to the body language, the other things going on in your spouse. I thought it was, that was so good. You, in your book, you, you make this quote that emotions are meant to be indicators and not directors. Was there a key time or like kind of like a, a, like a hinge point on a door that opened up like this situation where it was like an aha moment where that realization kind of came about and it actually brought hope uh, for you and Carrie to really save your marriage, to move from just that surviving um, or, you know, borderline splitting to surviving and then surviving to saving? We had a few points uh, of that realization along the way. Um, but they were those situations where we were triggered and, and that, and that led us to asking afterward, you know, what actually happened Mm -hmm. in that moment. So, uh, one of them was early on before I started my counseling, uh, I was on vacation and, um, this was before my, before my second son was born, um, just had a meltdown and didn't know what triggered it. There was nothing, there was no particular trigger, um, that I could identify, but just this deep sadness, like Mm. this deep despair. And I, I cried and cried and didn't know what was going on. And this was, I was probably, um, well, I was, uh, 30, I would have been 31 at that time. So it would have been a few years after we were married. Uh, and, by the time we went home, I would say even 36 hours later, you know, I was over that um, despairing, but it had been like hours of crying on the couch. Wow. And and then decided after that, well, I have a choice. I can carry on. I can go to work. I can do my volunteer roles at the church. I, you know, I can parent. I can do everything I need to do right now. Um, and I can ignore what happened, Hmm. or I could take that as a clue to, okay, something is going on here under the surface and I don't know what it is and start to look into it. And, and I decided at that point that I was going to not ignore it, uh, go to a counselor and try to figure out what that clue was trying to tell me. Mm -hmm. And at at another point, Carrie and I had um, just had a a really serious argument one night where we wondered, you know, is this what the end looks like? Wow. And that was a, a point where we, I think we doubled down on, um, trying to, um, pursue our spiritual growth, which we had been doing. It's not that at any point along the way, we weren't trying to grow spiritually. Um, but our, um, you know, we, we were relatively naive, uh, in our faith when we started out, even though we were, uh, professionally trained and, you know, we had a zeal for serving and there was no question that we wholeheartedly went into church leadership wanting to serve Jesus and serve other people and, um, you know, to spread the love of Christ into our communities. Um, but we just had these, um, these traumas in our past, um, 
problems with emotional, emotionally managing our own emotions, but also responding to each other's emotions. And we, it was very confusing for quite a long time. In a time when you couldn't Google things, right. like you do have to remember that when we started out, we were relatively like on our own in a rural community, no internet and, and really without mentors yeah. at that point. So it was, it was quite a, a long period of just trying to get a handle on how we could carry out all the roles outside of our home, but also figure out and get a handle on what was going on in our marriage. So counseling was key for us. We, it was a lifeline. Just to have another, uh, was it kind of having a third party there to be able to hear, help you guys communicate, but then also to start diving down into what you were saying, you know, difficulties from your past, even I know in the book you share Mm -hmm. about your childhood and how that created complications for you. Yes. Um, so those mm-hmm. that role of the counselor, that's so significant. Our counselor just helped to expose some of the blind spots, mm. some of the uh, dynamics that were going on and demystified some of it. Right. Uh, certainly, we were glad to go to a Christian counselor because Carrie and I um, both want to have the light of Christ in the middle of our conversations. And so uh, we also did welcome having a counselor who was experienced and trained, but would also pray with us Mm -hmm. and look for the ways that um, spiritual wisdom, God's word, the illumination that I believe the spirit of God brings um, to help us in our quest to make things better. So good. I, you know, I was just thinking too, like, I think some, sometimes in, in church circles and church culture, we've, we've actually done a disservice, um, to those who are yet to be married or maybe those who are just starting off in marriage, because we kind of give like the same message, um, that Disney does, like, you'll just be happily ever after, you know what I mean? Like you were married and happily ever after, and they went into the sunset and they never fought or they never went through trial or they never. And so it's like, how, how would you speak to church leaders that we can better prepare um, single people, you know, uh, young people who are, or maybe they're older, but like they're, they're starting off in marriage. How can we better prepare them for just these realities that you go through struggles, you go through hard times. Like nobody saw, mm-hmm. you know, like nobody saw COVID coming. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Like, and if you did, why didn't you tell us, you know, <laughs> like, um, but like, you know, there's just so many things that we can't control. And, mm-hmm. and yet we have to just to walk through them. How would you, um, yeah, just to kind of rephrase that, how would you uh, communicate to church leaders, um, the, how we can better equip soon to be marrieds and early married people? Well, I do, uh, I do think that there was a, a Christian counselor who made the observation that, you know, sometimes we take an attitude where, uh, if there's a problem, take two Bible verses and go to bed and, you know, make, making it seem as simple as, you know, scripture sure. is going to solve your problems. And honestly, I think the wisdom of scripture Absolutely. Um, will show us the way, but the thing is we, we need to have this mind emotion connection that takes time to build and spiritual growth is a journey. Um, but in the meantime, you know, they're there, when people come into marriage, they have different expectations. And sometimes people have, even if they go through a premarital counseling course, people don't realize how different their expectations are until they get into the moment and, and expectations, um, are are sometimes experienced like a part of our identity. And so when, when couples hit clashes of expectations, sometimes it's, it's groundbreaking. Um, And and I, I I do say that it's important to take control of your expectations or your emotions will take control of you. Um, because those emotional responses can be triggers. uh, And, and, you know, even, Uh, I had a pastor once say that he was doing counseling with a couple and he asked them to write down on a piece of paper uh, how many times they were planning to have sex every week. 
And so when they revealed what each of them wrote on their paper, um, she had written down two question marks and he had written down the number 13. And so the pastor said, well, 13, that's very specific. How did you get to that number? And he said, oh, that's easy. Twice a day and once on Sunday. (laughs) Because that's a day of rest, you know, got to take it easy. Yeah. And meanwhile, she looks like a deer in the headlights because she just has no idea. And so, you know, those clashes of expectations are going to come up and 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 they're going to be emotional. I, I think it's helpful for people to understand that, um, you know, that there's more to your wiring than you think. Um, so there's definitely a role for understanding yourself better, but also understanding your, your spouse better. You need to go into marriage expecting that you're going to need to be a student of both of you. And there's some resources that help so much with that. And I, I wish that we had had them when we were first married, but, um, love languages by Gary Chapman Mm -hmm. and the road back to you by Ian Morgan Cron, uh, but the Enneagram and wiring. And, and even, um, John Gottman is a a marriage researcher in the U S and he wrote a book called the seven principles of making marriage work. Mm. And, and so he explains, uh, how you need to create, um, the, the safe house and, and what goes into that. And, you know, Mm. the, the principles of just expressing fondness and admiration for each other. You know, all of those Mm -hmm. expectations, I think, help guide couples through uh, some of their differences, um, prevent some of the misunderstandings. And then just, I think even couples understanding that um, this isn't a fairy tale. And that you are going to hit some rough patches and that that's normal. Right. I think even knowing that it's normal prevents people from panicking. Right. That makes a lot of sense. So good. I think in some, you know, with what we do with the union movement and our goal is to create, you know, places for this conversation. Because we see even in scripture, the early, even the early church leaders in all those letters, there's only two books in the New Testament that don't mention relationships or sexuality or, you know, marriage and Mm -hmm. roles and that. And I think because even back then they knew that the people were dealing with it, you know? So I think even just um, us having these conversations gives people a space to think about it, to make it a priority, Mm -hmm. to be able to, to open up maybe with people that they trust. One, maybe one final question for you. Um, how would you, you mentioned that you guys didn't really have those mentors in your life when you were going through it. You know, you didn't have someone to help you through it. Do you have any recommendations for others who maybe are feeling the same thing that they're going, who do I talk to about this? How would I even start to open this up to, to a mentor? What, what would you say to them? Mm-hmm. I think it's so, it, it's so helpful to have at least one other couple who is a few steps ahead, Mm -hmm. who knows what it's like to have to deal with problems in a marriage, um, but has found a way to move forward despite the problems um, is so, so helpful. And there, I, I think it's probably somebody who's either in your social network or someone who's one degree away. So if you don't see somebody who's immediately in your social network, then have a conversation with either a a mentor, a a family member who has some experience and connections, um, a professional in your life. Just have a conversation with someone and ask for for that uh, connection or recommendation. Um, Because I think it's just so vital to uh, have someone to talk to, to have another couple to talk to. uh, And that other couple being somebody who wants you to win. Yes. Yeah. So it is important that it be another couple who, you know, who won't be flippant about whether you stay together or not. Yeah. Um, Because I know, you know, people view marriage from all kinds of different perspectives. Um, but it's, 
it's predictable that a marriage is going to hit some rough patches and um, having having the opportunity to benefit from the wisdom of other couples who have been through it, I think is, uh, is it just gives you a sense of not being alone yeah. and not being crazy sometimes. Right. Totally. <laughs> yeah. So even that would mean, you know, sometimes you have to be courageous and reach out. Like you said, it could be in your immediate circle or it might be one step beyond. And then you just have to kind of just, you know, get courageous and make a call or send a text or send an email or reach out on, you mm-hmm. know, send a DM. And, um, if, yeah, like if you are wanting to save your marriage, then to make some courageous decisions, mm-hmm. you know, if you keep mm-hmm. doing what you've always done then you'll keep having what you've always had, mm-hmm. or it could slip further into, totally. you know, into, uh, getting closer and closer to having to split. And I just really, mm-hmm. I so appreciate, like I said, at the beginning, you're, compassion for the reality that everyone's probably is at different places and that there are certain, Mm -hmm. certain circumstances where splitting even is necessary. And so, you know, if you're Mm -hmm. listening to this and you have split up, like we're not, we're not attacking you, but I think Mm -hmm. what, you know, what Mm -hmm. you did in your book is just saying in all those years of experience as a divorce lawyer, you saw that that's not, that's not an easier choice. You know, the grass isn't Mm -hmm. greener just because you split, but so you mm-hmm. need to have awareness of what each of those um, decisions could lead to or the complications that could come from it. So I just want to, yeah, just really thank you for being so comprehensive in the way you uh, wrote the book. I think it's going to be really helpful to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah. And I, I do echo what you say. Uh, it's, it's clear that in some cases, um, separating and actually getting into two separate residences is what needs to happen Mm -hmm. to allow for healing to happen. Um, But uh, I know that as we were going through our rough days, I did have even a a counselor. I've had a few counselors along the way. I had a counselor who did recommend that we split Mm -hmm. at that time. And I'm really glad that I didn't listen to that advice at the time. Um, So it may even be that um, if you're listening and you're not sure what to do, it may even be worthwhile getting a second opinion Mm -hmm. uh, about what fits your particular circumstances. That's so good. So maybe, maybe just as a final question, let's, let's say you're, you had a chance to talk to, to Tony, you know, way before you got married. What are the key things that you would say, uh, say to her to be prepared for marriage? And so in a sense, like, what would you want people who are not yet married to know and to be prepared for, be working on, on the front end before they step into marriage? It's a million dollar question. want people to uh, understand that uh, there may be some expectations you're bringing into your marriage that you may assume define what normal life looks like. Mm. Um, But I would, I would have encouraged my younger self to be more flexible with what I was looking for and to, um, uh, to start a search. Um, I, I think I would have had the clues if I'd looked back into my life. Honestly, I would have been able to see the clues that, um, you know, there was the trauma that I, I was impacted by, but, and bringing into my marriage, obviously, um, but just not aware of at the time. I think I, I would have uh, wanted to be more questioning about my assumptions. And yeah, just um, more, um, more insistent that if I'm having trouble actually sitting down, listening, being curious and, and not being triggered about a, an opinion that 
Carrie has that maybe I didn't like or that I didn't want to hear, uh, you know, that being able to sit through that kind of conversation and do it in a rational way is um, is a really, really important life skill. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I would have wanted to chase that down earlier in our marriage. So I've gone into my marriage, you know, being expecting that, you know, maybe I don't need counseling because I have a problem. Maybe I want to go to counseling counseling to be proactive and so that I can set myself up to have a great marriage Come on. and so that I can see my blind spots earlier on. So good. So good. Well, thank you so much for, for sharing that because, mm-hmm. you know, I think a lot of times um, we learn not just from other people's successes, but, you know, other people's mistakes and how, mm-hmm. and I, and I, I just want to honor that. I want to honor your willingness to do that because I think, Mm-hmm. Um, I've been encouraged today. I've yeah. been refreshed today. And I know that our listeners would have been as well. So thank you so much. Yeah. And where can people find you? They're wanting more of your resources and more of your, of your experiences, hearing from your experiences. Where can the, our listeners find you? I have a website under my name. So tonynewhoff.com. You can find the book and some companion resources. Uh, Newhoff is a bit tricky to spell. There's I think I find vowels. I think I finally <laughs> nailed it. What what is the uh, what's your like? Where's your background? Where's that last name from? Oh, it is um, Carrie's Dutch heritage. Dutch. Okay. So yes, um, all those vowels. To find the spelling of my name before you split is an easy way to find it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. N i e u w h o f. I just did that without yes, even looking. I didn't wow. even look. <laughs> Yeah. You got it. <laughs> Before you split is the book and you can, and we'll put it all in our show notes as well for people yeah. to find and in our, um, in our posting and stuff. And you also mentioned you have your own podcast. Could you tell us a little bit about the heart and vision of that podcast? Sure. Yes. It's a podcast that my friend, um, Dr. Rob Meter, uh, and I started because he's a pediatrician. So he regularly sees parents who are, mm-hmm dealing with um, either behavior problems or um, illnesses, mm-hmm. you know, for kids. And, and so he sees a lot of what happens in families who are under stress. I saw a lot of what happens with families who are under stress when they're going through a separation. Right. And we, we both together decided we just wanted to provide resources for parents um, to help them deal with the pressures of life so and to help them love being home. So that's our heart and our vision. Oh, that's so awesome. We'll make sure, like Bonnie said, that that's all on the show notes for people to find. Yeah. Smart Family Podcast. Yeah. Very good. Well, Tony, thank you so much. We're so glad you took the time to sit down with us today. This Mm -hmm. has been an amazing conversation. And uh, again, we're just so thankful for your willingness to to be so vulnerable and and to impart the wisdom that you've learned over the years. So, Yeah. Hey, well, just know I am so grateful for both of you and for all that you're doing for this podcast and everything else that you're leading. So thank you. All right. Well, we wish you the best and we look forward to maybe doing this again sometime. This would be amazing. Maybe on your next book. That's right. It would be awesome. <laughs> Depending how, how that process went, maybe you're not quite there yet. <laughs> but but uh, I'm sure. I would, not quite yet, but you never know. <laughs> yeah, we would love to do this again. We wish you all the best, Tony. Thank you so much. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today we hope your life was impacted greatly if you have any questions or comments we'd love to hear from you please email us at podcast at the for more information visit our website theunionmovement.com and follow us on facebook and instagram with the handle at the union movement 